So October is the height of fall foliage, red and brown and yellow, crimson and even purple leaves fall from the branches to the earth. The Storbachans usually like to um, get out into the countryside, go to Camp Deer Park or um, somewhere a little more rustic around the middle of October, the height of it. And the weather's a little cool and wet. November leads us deeper into the, the decay of leaves and the trees will soon be barren. And while death accompanies this season, still we celebrate Halloween and Thanksgiving, spiced hot beverages and hearty meals and somehow home feels even more cozy. The autumnal season where beauty is found in decay and ruin and somehow Dead, wet, yellow, and red leaves reveal the beauty and wonderment of seasons and cycles and rhythms. Today, in the church calendar, we commemorate All Hallows or All Saints Day, a solemn day where the church remembers all the saints who have passed from this earthly world into the heavenly realm. Later this month, on November 22nd, our church will observe our version of the Day of the Dead or All Saints Day called Toten Sontag, also called Eternity Sunday, which finds its origins in North German and Dutch Protestant churches. For our church, especially this year, fall is filled with the themes of autumn decay and death, and yet beauty and wonderment. As we heard Bono sing in the first verse of a U2 song that only has two verses, October, and the trees are stripped bare of all they wear, what do I care? Fall in the fullness of its meaning is a season of not only death and decay, but also release and surrender. Leaves let go of their branches and fall to earth. Birds migrate to other climates. It is a season of transition into the barrenness of winter. As a young person, I was moved by a track by German existential and metaphysical philosopher, Arthur Schopenhauer. I must have been about 17 years old when I somehow discovered it. And although I may not have grasped all of what I read, his thought has haunted my imagination ever since. Essentially, he says that there is nothing to fear in death itself. The only thing that should be feared is the moment of transition from this world to the next, from this reality to the reality to come. Moving from the known toward the unknown has the potential to be fraught with fear and anxiety. 
And this brings us in a circuitous way to today's scripture reading. On the day of Jesus's resurrection, there were two disciples escaping Jerusalem for the village of Emmaus. Their teacher and movement leader, the Messiah, the one for whom they hoped would restore the Davidic dynasty had been executed. And soon Jesus's followers would be hunted, arrested, and many executed. None of Jesus's male followers, except for his youngest disciple, John, were at the site of the crucifixion. Instead, these male disciples were hiding in a room with the door locked when Jesus would appear to them. And so it is resurrection day. And these two disciples have left Jerusalem together. On the road, they meet another. They aren't able yet to recognize that it is the resurrected Christ. And together, the three of them joined together on their journey in conversation about the excitement in Jerusalem. The disciples are surely filled with fear and anxiety, but also a kernel of hope has emerged. They've already heard the rumblings and Cleopas, the first disciple, says, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Luke only gives us the name of one disciple, Cleopas. And the other disciple, at least at first, seems to be somewhat of a mystery. That is, until we explore the scriptures a little further. There's only one other reference to this Cleopas in all of the scriptures. And it happens to be in John's narrative of the crucifixion. John writes, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So the second unnamed disciple on the road to Emmaus is quite likely Cleopas's wife, the woman who was with Mary, Jesus's mother, and also Mary Magdalene. So there are three Marys at the foot of the cross, as well as Mary's sister, mother of Jesus. We don't know much about Cleopas and Mary. But we do know that they followed and loved Jesus. And as they walked along with this third person, a person whom they have not yet recognized as their Savior, they listened with rapt attention. Luke writes, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures, concerning himself. 
It was in their woundedness, in their deep pain and fear and confusion, when they weren't even able to recognize their teacher, that they learned the depth of Jesus's identity as revealed throughout the whole of the scriptures. Transitions and changes, processes and moving through at times proved to be frightening experiences. Experiences in which our whole worldview and orientation suffers a deep disruption and disorientation. And the experience will not allow us to return to our original orientation. We've been changed too much. And so with faith, we lean forward toward the newness, oriented toward hope, even when despair and desperation seem to loom heavy. It's not an easy thing to find oneself newly arrived or for some a long time stuck in this liminal space, a place of transition and waiting and not knowing. A space where, as Richard Rohr says, we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. Our world is left behind while we are not yet sure of the new existence. Some may call it the messy middle ground. And this is the place most of the world finds itself right now. We've left the old way of life as a result of the pandemic and social unrest, seemingly dangerous election, compounded with the woundedness of our own faith family. We are not sure how long this season of disorientation will last, where we are going, what life might look like on the other side. It is in the midst of the disorientation that we learn to lament and wait and eventually let go. As Mary and Cleopas listened to Jesus' teaching, they approached dusk and they neared their destination in the village of Emmaus. Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. So he went in to stay with them. Luke then writes, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. In the second verse of U2's October, Bono sings, and kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But you go on and on 
It is in the dying that we discover new life. And it is in the pain when we are given the opportunity to learn how to heal. It is when we grieve that hope is found. And it's while sitting in the sorrows and brokenness of the world when the Christ reveals the God self to the brokenhearted through the breaking of bread. There is no formula to follow. There is no 10-step program that lays out the ABCs of when and how to arrive at a place of healing and wholeness. We cannot rush the process. Our times are held in God's hands. As we learn to be honest with God, as we learn to embrace change and wait upon God, and as we let go of our expectations of what life should look like on the other side, we will gradually move into this new place God has for us. In closing, allow me to share the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who knew grief and longing very well, and who speaks to the promise of the new orientation. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will hear your voice and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Amen.